Hey everyone, and welcome to season two of my podcast. So you'll notice that it's got a brand new name and a brand new focus and new guests and new content formats ready to serve you as you build your personal brand. So if you've been with me for a while now, you may recall that the previous name was the Live to Accomplish podcast. And that was really lasered focused on the personal growth and personal culture aspect of development. And we're going to be leaving all of those episodes up so that you can have access to them. And um, from here on in, the focus is really on people like you, people who are personal brands, people who are speakers and leaders and coaches and authors and creators and business leaders, people who have influence, people who have ideas and solutions. Because I think you and I could both agree right now, what the world needs is to hear with greater clarity from people who are ready to serve with great ideas that actually change life and culture for those around us. So to do that, personal brands like us need creative skills. So one thing I've noticed is there's a lot of talk about how to influence or how to create income and impact, but not a lot of talk about the creative skills that we need to be able to do those things. So my job as your creative coach is to bring you the content that matters, the content and the ideas and the skills that are going to help you to achieve the personal brand you've always dreamed of. So you're going to see a bit of a different mix of formats. So the content will include sessions from me, giving you teaching and kind of inspiration along the way, as well as guest interviews from all around the globe. So friends in all sorts of industries are gonna be drawing on their expertise and their insights, and you'll join us for those conversations, and I know that you're gonna learn a lot. And as well, as part of the other versions of content, you're gonna be hearing some live training from the in-person events that I've done, On top of that, you'll also get exclusive audio from some of my online courses. And so I know that this season is going to be really, really helpful for you. It's going to serve you in a really practical way, as well as give you the inspiration that you need to be able to push forward with these creative skills. Because friend, I know that you're here because you want to increase your influence, you want to increase your income and increase your impact. So let's kick off season two with a really awesome episode, really geared at people who are wanting to get booked on stages. And that is, let's talk about speaker showreels, because these are one of the most important sales and marketing tools that you'll need to get booked on stages, whether it's physical stages or virtual stages. You're going to be hearing in my conversation with Emma Hawker, who is all the way from Singapore, and she's an expert in the event industry, on what you should include in your speaker showreel, as well as the mistakes that people commonly make. Because friend, we want to make sure that your ideas influence and your income and your impact is maximized and multiplied by having the right creative skills. So let's jump into my conversation now with Emma Hawker, all about speaker showreels. Well, welcome to the show, Emma. So awesome to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Absolute pleasure. And it's been over a year since I saw you when I was in Singapore. And yeah, so has a lot changed for you since we we last connected? (laughs) Well, aside from uh, COVID, obviously, um, uh, not much else. I'd say things are pretty slow here just because of the pandemic. But um, yeah, all in all, we're hopefully seeing the end, the light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure we are. And I'm really excited about to talk to you today because when I was thinking about who I can talk to, to help speakers best get an insight into the secret world of event organizers and people who book professional speakers on stages around the world, I thought of you. And I think you're like, um, you know, more than qualified, overqualified to talk mm-hmm. on this subject. So can you just share with us, Emma, a little bit about, about yourself, like up in your life up until today? 
Yeah, sure. So um, I started off in events, uh, I'd say, ooh, must have been like 13, 14 years ago um, in London. And I used to do events for the aviation industry. So it was mainly putting events together for airlines and airports. And back then, I'd say the speakers that we had were mainly the business professional type uh, business leaders, uh, business leader type speakers. Uh, but when I moved to Singapore about 10 years ago, I started working for a company called HRM Asia, and they run large scale and small scale uh, conferences and exhibitions for the HR industry. So when I joined them, I got way more experience um, in, in, uh, in getting speakers, uh, professional speakers, if you will. So hiring those professional speakers for the events. And so the event that I had was called HR Summit uh, and Expo Asia. So I ran that for uh, the best part of, of 10 years. Um, now it's called the uh, HR Tech Festival. And so obviously everything that they do is more around uh, those HR topics. Um, yeah, so they really did have a mix. We used to have a big mix of speakers uh, that we'd invite to the events and we'd have over a hundred speakers in all speaking over two days at the large scale conferences. Yeah, that's incredible. And that's Asia's largest workforce management show. And, you know, over 4,000 people go to these events. So, you know, you've got a lot of responsibility to pick the right people to put on that stage. And so um, yeah. out of that, like you then, to fast forward to today, you now have a new company. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so now, so since, since leaving uh, HRM Asia, I started a company called Altify. So Altify is essentially a, an automated self-service um, event technology platform. And we enable organizers, all types of organizers to find um, all types of speakers from around the world uh, for virtual events and when they come back physical events. So it's essentially a way for organizers to find, connect and confirm those speakers. And being a past organizer myself, I actually created it as a bit of a productivity uh, tool as well. So it keeps track of that early um, stage speaker acquisition process for the organizers. And uh, it keeps a log of all of their correspondence with speakers, all of their agreements with speakers. Um, yeah, so that's essentially what we do at Altify. So it's a really technology driven approach to the industry, Correct. which, yeah, which you obviously got incredible amounts of experience in. So today we're going to be talking about speaker show reels. And before we jump into mm. that, Emma, I'm curious, like, how did you, like, what hooked you in to this life that's now obsessed with live and virtual event organization? Like what hooked you in? Like why are you so, <laughs> so in love with this industry? Um, well, it's, it's funny you ask, I, I actually never set out um, to, to do events in the first place. I actually used to study English law and French law. All my family were lawyers. I was nowhere near events. Um, but I, when, I was, when I went back home on a break from uni um, a long time ago, I met one of my parents' friends and she used to run an events and incentive travel company. And she, she struck me as a very strong businesswoman, independent, you know, she used to run her own um, her own company, her own events. Um, and I really, you know, there was something that was really attractive about that. So I actually thought to myself, that's something that I want to do when I grow up. And then since then, I naturally got into planning. And for some reason, I was always the designated planner for absolutely everything. <laughs> um, and yeah, so then, and then before I actually finished my degree um, in law, I decided I wanted to go into events. I wanted to try it out. So I actually got my first job in B2B um, 
in a B2B events company. And that was that was uh, obviously the one that I mentioned earlier on that was uh, doing events for airlines and airports. And it's, you know, since then, it's basically history. I, I fell in love with events and uh, there's something exhilarating about having some, you know, an event to look forward to and that build up. And then the, you know, that elated feeling that you have when the whole event is over as well. It's just, I can't explain it, <laughs> but it's something that I'm addicted to. Yep. I totally understand that. You have this, like this rush when you're at live events or even virtual events for that mm. and you get, yeah, you get hooked. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's awesome that you bring in these experiences to the world. And when you started Altify, what was, um, I guess, one of the big problems that you identified in the speaking industry or the events industry that you set out to solve? Um, yeah, so basically Altify is a two-sided platform. So I see it very much, it's for organizers and for speakers. Um, so uh, starting on the organizer side, there's a real problem for organizers in that process of finding and managing speakers. And usually it's a combination of different tools that you have to use, such as LinkedIn, YouTube, Google, just to find the ideas. Then you have the hassle of trying to find the contact details of the speakers. Um, you know, and obviously if you're dealing, if you are dealing with a corporate speaker, you then get ping ponged to everybody in the Marcoms team. Um, and then when you have an event with multiple speakers, you have to keep track of, of what's going on, obviously with all of those speakers, you know, are they, are they shortlisted? Are they pending? Are they confirmed? Um, and then for speakers, really it's, um, the problem is around that visibility. So being found more easily by organizers, being contacted by organizers for the right type of event and being paid, uh, you know, the amount that you're requesting for the, for your services. So those are all the problems that we identified for organizers and speakers. Yeah. Wow. So I guess it's more than just a directory. It's actually increasing of productivity once you get those mm. conversations and leads active. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's right. So then, Emma, so what about the opportunities that come up for people, like you said, on both sides of this platform? What opportunities are there for the speakers and the event organizers themselves? For the organizers, we're obviously giving them the opportunity to find the right speakers for their events. And that can be, um, you know, that can be diverse speakers because we welcome not only professional speakers, but we welcome trainers, business professionals, leaders, moderators, MCs and helping them find those new speakers that they didn't know existed, so those hidden gems. And um, also that offers them obviously uh, um, a variety of fee ranges and we're also global. So we're enabling organizers to you know, find speakers from the other side of the world. And now with, uh, with webinars, way more webinars happening, that's something that's going to be more and more in demand. And they can also contact the speakers directly and obviously keep all of the information, um, you know, from their uh, conversations with the speakers, keep everything there on one platform. And then for speakers, the opportunity is really to be found more easily through that detailed search functionality that the organizers have, which matches them with the right speaker profile. And that enables them obviously to be contacted directly through the assigned point of contact, um, whether that's the speaker themselves, their PA, or the agency that they've um, designated for themselves. And then, you know, contacted for the right type of event that pays correctly, you know, for their services. Because essentially the speaker profile is something they have to fill out and the organizers will only find them if they're looking for that type of criteria. And of course, you know, the service is completely free for speakers as well. So we're the only service of this kind. That's right. It's a, um, a really easy, straightforward to use as well. So I've logged in myself because mm -hmm. I've got an account with you. It's very yeah. <laughs> user friendly. It's very straightforward. And that's probably something that to me is a standout too, because it can honestly be Thanks. utterly 
perplexing when you set up a directory listing, whether it's for you as a speaker, as a podcast or whatever it is that you want to distribute by way of content, it can be an absolute nightmare. So you've obviously thought that mm-hmm. through and made it very um, user-friendly. Thank you. Yeah. And also, I mean, we are, we are creating it from an organizer's perspective. So we're really trying to think about what the organizer looks for in a speaker and that's what we're, that's how we're building it. So, um, you know, we really got that organizer to organizer perspective going on. It's all about the user experience. Mm. So Emma, as part of this, you know, this really awesome kind of world we're in now where there's so many speakers, so many virtual events and live events when they come back online, it's a case of overload for me. Like, I don't know who should I follow or what speakers should I follow on on YouTube or, you know, like what event should I register for? And it comes down to, to me, the message of the speaker. And uh, Mm -hmm. the problem that I see is a lot of speakers are phenomenally talented and have incredible world-changing messages, but they lack the marketing collateral to let people Mm -hmm. know that they exist. And so, you know, this is where we kind of like have a nice entrance now of the speaker show reel. So to me, a speaker show reel is like a really awesome 90 second uh, kind of highlight reel, which does two things. It shows your key message and your key capability. So as a speaker, we want to see what is your, you know, raw message that you just cannot wait to unlock and share with the world and how are you positioned to do that? You know, you can trust me as a speaker. This is my message and this is how I can make your audience uh, valued and how I can serve you. So Emma then, what's your definition of a speaker show reel? Um, well, the, the way that I see it is that it's, it's like your, mo- your movie trailer. <laughs> um, so it has to be exhilarating. It has to be exciting. It has to really draw the organizer in. And you also have to not get too emotionally involved with it because I think you have to see it from an outsider's perspective. So if you're putting yourself in the organizer's shoes, you know, when they're looking at this speaker showreel, would they, uh, you know, it's a bit like like looking at a, a movie trailer. So would you then pay to go to the movie and, you know, see that movie? So it has, it's something that really has to, um, you know, entice you in. But as you say, it's a lot about content. You have to highlight the content. There's so many things to think about when it comes to a showreel, um, which is obviously what we'll, we'll be discussing. But I think, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different elements that need to be in there and there's a lot to think about. So a speaker showreel is almost like a value proposition. So it's saying, this is what's available to you. And then like you say, we want you to go and buy the ticket to the actual main event. So then with different kinds of speakers, right, Emma, like you and I in our pre-interview chat talked about how perhaps not every kind of professional speaker needs a showreel. So what do you think are the types of speakers who do and don't need a showreel? Um, so I think that corporate, the corporate business professionals who don't get paid to speak, um, they don't necessarily need one. For me, as you say, there's two different types of speakers. There's the professional, um, you know, paid speakers, um, and there's the non-professional, the corporate business professionals, um, as I call them, who don't get paid to speak. So for this latter group, I really don't think that uh, there's a need to have a showreel just because their expertise is not about the delivery uh, their content is not curated in the same way and the audience comes to see them because they are living and breathing the same job as the audience um, and organizers don't need these speakers to be great speakers necessarily they just want them to bring their job title position and expertise to the table whereas for professional speakers um, i think there really is a certain standard uh, because your delivery will obviously be great 
and your content will be curated, um, which is what your uh, will make your delivery stand out. So for these types of speakers, organizers do expect more time than not to have access to a showreel. Okay, so once we've put ourselves in the camp of needing a showreel, like let's look at um, what it actually does. So, so Emma, do showreels really influence uh, which speakers get booked by event organizers? Like does it influence their decisions? Um, yeah, I definitely think it does. It can actually make the difference between a hire and not. Um, essentially, the main purpose of a showreel is to show someone on stage as an experienced and confident speaker. So if an organizer is on the fence about a certain speaker, a showreel will definitely make that difference to tip them over the fence, uh, if you will. And it also just helps the organizer to make a more informed decision with their budget. You have touched on the benefits then. So what are the, in, in your perspective, what are the key benefits for having a showreel? Um, well, essentially, I see it as a sales tool. So um, it's definitely a, t- a smart tool to have for self-promotion, which can obviously be used on all sorts of platforms to showcase your talent. But it's also proof. It's technically evidence of your ability to speak and deliver properly. And it also showcases you as a professional speakers. Um, so as I mentioned, organizers know that if you have a showreel, you are a professional speaker. And um, they therefore expect to pay the required amount for your services as well. And I think it can also be um, really useful to increase your SEO because if you have a video uploaded to YouTube, you never know who will come across it and then end up on your site as a result. So it's a way of tr- driving people to your um, sites to get bookings as well because on, a, on occasion I've come across a video randomly and then navigated to a speaker's site to find out more. Yeah, that's a really valuable insight because some speakers or all of us really don't necessarily always consider the SEO uh, kind of, Mm. I guess the hidden benefits that, you know, the algorithms from Google and YouTube have for catching your Mm. content. So just Mm. like there's benefits, like what are the risks? Cause there's some people say, Oh, you know, I'll get around to it later. But to me, I'm thinking this is opportunity cost. You're missing out, you know, leaving money on the table. So, so Emma, what are the risks of us not producing a speaker showreel? Well, I agree with you. I mean, it's essentially a a great marketing tool. So if you don't have one, you're missing out on those marketing opportunities. You know, you get passed over by, you know, by someone who probably does have one. And it doesn't make you look professional if you don't have one, I I believe. Um, Because I don't know many professional speakers who don't have one. And at the end of the day, if I'm expected to pay for a speaker, I want to know what I'm paying for. I want to see a snippet of what I'm paying for. And there's also the risk of an organizer not wanting to pay the amount you're charging because with no proof, how am I supposed to, you know, be sold on hiring a speaker? Organizers have very tight budgets. So we're always looking for ways to cut costs where we can. And um, if a speaker has no evidence of how good they, they say they are, an organizer will definitely try and beat you down on price as much as possible. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I yeah. guess, you know, like it's, it's true. Like why not provide that social proof of like building trust to help the transaction mm. get moved along? That's right. So if people are on the fence now, they've hopefully come to the other side and they've realized that, yes, I absolutely do need a speaker showreel. So mm. in my experience with people who are putting together a showreel, whether it's for a business profile or whether it's for like a speaker showreel, there's a lot of problems that come up. So for you, what do you see as the main problems that people face when it comes to creating a showreel? 
Um, so I, I just, I think they don't necessarily know where to start because not every speaker will have a creative flair to be able to put one together. So I do think it's best for external parties um, to put one together for them because also the speaker can become a bit too emotionally involved. Same as what happens when you put a resume together. You want to cram everything in that you've done, but that's not necessarily what you should do. Um, you know, they, they also don't necessarily have decent footage. So the footage that they do have can, you know, the lighting can be off, the video can, the video can be fuzzy or old, and sometimes they have no footage at all, as we were discussing earlier. So they don't actually have the basics to be able to start with. And also I do sometimes see a problem with getting the message right. Um, so delivering the right content through the showreel, because it has to be sh short and informative. But sometimes I think that speakers get confused with what content to highlight. And I've seen some awful showreels which focus on besides the point content, um, showing a speaker rambling on. And that can be very off-putting and obviously kill all chances of being booked. So there's a lot of pressure to get everything perfect. <laughs> so, you know, mm, like yeah. some people can see that as overwhelming and you know what, I'm not even going to try it. But I think it's great that people do try, but like you say, it's get the key message crystal clear and really help that value proposition to, to shine by saying your audience will experience like a shift, the transition from this is how they were before I spoke and this is how they're transformed after I spoke. Because I guess from a event perspective, you want to see that your audience changes, right? Yeah, it's about that. Those uh, B-roll clips, as we call them, the audience reactions to your speech. That's something we really need to integrate in um, in the showreels as well. Yeah, sure. So talking about then things to integrate, what are the mm. top things that we must include in a speaker showreel? Um, so definitely, I think there has to be a strong start. Uh, it's very important to grab the attention from the get-go, and that can obviously be through imagery or strong music, um, for example. Uh, the elevator pitch, um, obviously that highlights the problems that you're solving for the organizer. They essentially want their pain points to be addressed. So, you know, why should they hire you? And um, then definitely include those testimonials, those media mentions, because those are the fastest way of gaining credibility. So, you know, whether you have video or just text, you have to make sure you include a few of those. And the media mentions, obviously clips from media interviews can really take it to the next level. And uh, as I just mentioned, the B-roll clips, so audience reactions to your speech, laughing, cheering, people clapping, <laughs> basically showing an audience that's really engaged and enjoying your session, having fun. And um, obviously not to forget the strong call of action at the end. But overall, I think that has to be, um, you know, that there has to be the up, upbeat, exciting music um, as an overlay as well. That's right. And really mm -hmm. helping the event organizers to, to keep watching beyond the you know, 35 second mark. So right. what about um, what we shouldn't include? Like, you know, we see some disaster work out there. So <laughs> what are some things that absolutely we should not include in a speaker mm -hmm. showreel? Uh, so too much footage from the same event. So I've seen some showreels which um, show the same event from different angles. And, you know, obviously the speaker was probably hoping that no one would, would realize, uh, but you can really tell because organizers pick up on um, other things like the look and feel of the venue, the carpet color, the logos in the background, <laughs> the signage and, you know, the fonts and designs of the signage. So if there's even a little bit of overlap there, we can tell that it's from the same event. You definitely need a variety of, um, of clips. So uh, of uh, obviously backgrounds as well. 
I would also say no slow or out of context music, unless you're obviously ramping up, um, because you don't want to put people to sleep while they're watching your video. It has to be engaging all the way through. Um, I have actually skipped show reels entirely just because of the really bad music at the beginning, I must admit, <laughs> um, because it was just not engaging. Um, and also, you know, don't miss out the company names and job titles when you're putting the testimonials together. I've actually seen, you know, pe people giving testimonials, but then no mention or explanation of who the person is, what company they're from. So, you know, how do I know that's an incredible source and not just a person's sister? <laughs> yeah. um, and also uh, no old footage. So you sometimes see some very old footage from the 80s and 90s, which is brings the whole standard down. So to me, that you know, an outdated video means an outdated speaker, especially when I'm trying to put together, you know, a cutting edge event. I always want up to date topics. So it really has to be up to date. And, uh, and then not only focusing on the speaker as well. So you need to have more, you know, you do definitely need to have some of that B-roll action because the organizer is interested in how you're going to make their audience feel. Um, obviously they're looking at you as well, but it's, you know, it hasn't, there doesn't, uh, there shouldn't be too much focus about just yourself on stage. We want to show the impact you're having on the event itself. Mm. Yeah. That's a really that's important right. thing to remember. So then mm. with the whole problem of footage, right? So we've identified that not a lot of people have, you know, either incredibly high quality footage or maybe that they footage that they did get was from one major event. And mm. one common story I hear a lot, Emma, is, you know, when I ask people for, for footage, they're like, oh, we were promised uh, footage from this really high quality event, never received it. That's something I hear a lot and it's really disappointing because it puts speakers at a disadvantage of putting together a brilliant showreel. So, so what yeah. do they do if they don't have footage of them speaking to large audiences because they've been let down from receiving footage they were promised and also part mm. two, now that there's mm. going to be no opportunity for large scale event mm. footage with a little yeah. practical issue like COVID, what do we do? Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's a shame because obviously organizers should really, you know, stick to their word if they've promised, uh, if they've promised footage to speakers because they should realize how important that is for them. But I guess if you don't have any actual footage of large audiences and but if you do have some photos, then you can try and use those instead because um, obviously you can have a fairly effective photo montage if it's done properly. Um, I would say also concentrate on footage of you on stage doing grandiose poses instead, because this does imply that you are possibly in front of a large audience, even if you're not. And to fill in that, you know, that audience, worst case, you could actually buy some stock footage um, of conference crowds clapping, you know, listening and reacting to what you're saying on stage, try and weave that into the video. Uh, but now that we're all virtual, as you say, you can actually concentrate on getting some footage of large audiences online instead. And then that can permit you to also showcase your ability to give virtual presentations at the same time. So just invite a load of your friends and family to a Zoom call with you and then, you know, get someone else to take uh, footage of your virtual talk in front of all of those faces on screen. Just really capture that. And also at the end, you know, make sure you get some footage of them reacting to you as well. So you can actually try and do that in some clever ways um, by, by doing more at home, I guess, in those uh, you know, more with the virtual context, with, which is now very topical. So I don't see that as a negative. Okay. Well, that, that's really good because I know that some speakers would be nervous that, 
oh no, you know, for the next 12 months, I'm not going to have an opportunity to gather footage of me in front of a lot of people in a large venue. So in a very practical way, this is a solution. And I guess something to remember as well is, I guess the ethics of it. So like with buying stock photography or stock footage and that kind of thing is make sure if you are buying, you know, audience reaction shots, make sure it's to scale with the presentation that you were actually doing. Like don't buy a 2000 mm. people room when you were only <laughs> doing a 50 person venue. Cause that's ethically wrong <laughs> in my yeah, standpoint. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. um, the other thing people can do as well is you can buy sound effects as well. So again, only do it to the pitch or level that was in the room. Mm. So a lot of times venues won't have like an audience ambience microphone. So you won't get the laughter or the applause but you can get it after the fact, but only pick it to the exact pitch or the exact scale of what happened at that moment. Yeah, that's very interesting. And also, I mean, I actually think um, that, I mean, as long as you're not also quoting the event itself, if you're not mentioning what event it was, then, uh, you know, I, I don't see any problem with with trying to get some footage for uh, larger audiences too, but as you say, within reason, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, great. So there's some really good practical tips there. So from your insight over however many years of being an expert at this, what are some things that people can really actively do to stand out? Um, So I reckon that uh, obviously the quality of the video is important. Um, So I think overall, the overall quality has to really be there. And you have to be confident of that quality um, of the video that comes out at the end. Um, but I think some upbeat, exciting music can really grab attention, and it's something that's fairly, you know, easy as a as an overlay. But also, you know, just to add a little bit to the video, maybe get try and get some, um, you know, wifi, as we call it, uh, footage with the audience. So next time you are speaking, if you are in front of the crowd. Um, you know, actually, even you could try that for a virtual crowd, just like turn around and get a shot of yourself with the crowd in the background, because that can make for some impressive shots as well. Um, I'd say the testimonials have to be from ideally high level uh, individuals. So you're really looking for the job titles that are above the manager level and recognizable brands as well, because when a title is of a manager and a brand that's not recognizable, it just does not add as much value. Um, also, yes, the audience reaction, um, you know, the B-roll uh, content, so whether it's virtual um, or physical, I think that's very important. And just make sure it's a real visual feast so you can actually add more, um, you know, more information in less time. So you can do things like having split screens going on with multiple videos playing at the same time and with that music overlay. I think that's very modern and gives the organizer more of a feel of what you can do in a shorter amount of time. Okay. So yeah, I mean, essentially it's a movie trailer. So make it, make it, make it exhilarating. <laughs> yeah. And that's a really good point. So from, from your side of the street, how many seconds, minutes or seconds should a, a showreel be? Because like, I know what I feel it should be, but um, from, from your mm. side, how long would you keep watching for? Um, so I prefer when they're around three minutes long. Um, I wouldn't go much longer than that. Although I, I do believe in, you know, possibly having two. So you could actually have a shorter one, which is three minutes, but then a longer one, which is five, if you're wanting to cram in more information. Um, But I do think that the one that will really grab attention will be the three minutes or even, I mean, even shorter if you can. 
because I think there's a lot of temptation, obviously, to, <laughs> to, to include a lot, but it has to be quality over quantity. So really try to keep it down to that quality and just cut out anything that's, um, that's, uh, you know, that's not giving you that quality. That's awesome. And so this brings us to the next question, Emma, is what kind of investment should we be expecting to make if we want to be able to be in the game? We've got to pay to attend, right? So in terms of the investment, if we don't have a big budget, can we still get in the game or tell us what we should be expecting by way of investment? Yeah, so apparently a good rule of thumb is to spend as much on a showreel as you would like to get from your first keynote. Um, that's uh, that's what I've been told. But essentially it's a sales tool, so it's not something that you want to uh, skimp and save on too much. Uh, but if you really are on a budget, I'd suggest looking for production houses that cater to small businesses, to entrepreneurs, because obviously they won't then charge as much as the, as the larger production houses. But uh, try to get all of the footage and the materials that you want included in the video yourself before going to the production company because um, it can really minimize costs um, because otherwise they have to go and purchase the stock video footage for you and they then charge you for that and then possibly charge you a fee on top for obviously their time and effort of finding it. Um, and as you know, you can, you can find some free, even free stock images and video online nowadays. And um, something I would suggest is also to, um, to use split screens. So that can be a cheap but effective way of including more footage into a video. So different screens showing different videos playing at the same time with a music overlay, like I mentioned earlier on. Uh, but you can obviously do your own DIY video showreel, uh, but for best results, I would really try to outsource it because it's something that you want done right. Absolutely. And some people are savvy with editing themselves. So I'd say mm. that's definitely maybe your first port of call. But it, mm. yeah, I think if you're really going to be able to uh, attract the events that you want to attract, you have to be attractive. And so that requires some, some effort naturally. Yeah. Also, I mean, I do think that uh, as a speaker, as I mentioned at the beginning, you can become too emotionally involved with what you're putting together. And I think you, you almost need that third party, you know, that that outsider's perspective to really bring it down to the nuts and bolts, what you need to have on that showreel versus what you would want to have on that showreel and what you think you should try and cram into the showreel. Yeah, that's really good. We've got to make sure we get that trusted third party. Uh, and the other thing too, Emma, you probably shouldn't ask your friends and family. <laughs> I mean, it's good to get their feedback, but you know, yeah. maybe they're, they're just going to probably tell you that it's amazing and you're awesome, but it's good <laughs> to get some industry insight too. Would you agree? That's right. I would actually put it to, you know, you can do things like get some colleagues um, and put a video to a vote or, um, you know, get them to weigh in on with, with some feedback, um, especially if they're in your industry, they'll understand what organizers and audiences want as well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really vital to make sure you're hitting everything you need to hit and being relevant. So mm -hmm. let's just assume now that our listeners have uh, agreed with us and they've produced a video show reel. So once they've got this precious baby in their hands, what's the best way to leverage this brand new show reel? Um, so I would, uh, well, first and foremost, share it with all family and friends because you don't know who knows who, especially in your friend circle. Obviously, we all have different networks professionally. Um, and obviously that could result in a booking. Um, I would then uh, send it to all of the, your past clients as a courtesy, but also to bring you top of mind again. And obviously include it on your website, share it on your social media platforms or any other platform that you usually use to market yourself. Share it with your speaker network, your speaker groups, organizer groups on social media. 
and um, put it on Altify <laughs> if you're coming on Altify on your speaker profile. Um, but also, you know, you can include it in the link on your email sign off so that people have a quick access to your email too. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think uh, the email sign offs are, un- are underutilized um, to a certain extent because mm. people forget that they can be putting yeah. in um, promo material there. That's right. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I think, you know, when we talk about speaker showreels, it's often shrouded in mystery because people don't think they can do it themselves or that they can't at least start the creation process themselves and then go and work Mm. with a third party. So I think today has helped remove some of that mystery and help people to get a bit of a practical plan. So Mm. if you had to leave our listeners with one piece of advice uh, for the professional Mm. speakers listening, it doesn't have to be about showreels specifically. What one thing Mm. would you want to say to them? Quality over quantity. <laughs> I think that's very important. Um, and that, that can obviously be for showreels, but for any content you're putting to organizers. Um, and when you're putting content together for an event, I think it's really important to uh, maintain that level of quality because uh, you know poor quality can result in people thinking that you're a bit of an outdated speaker or you have outdated content. And that's very dangerous, especially nowadays when there's so many ways and opportunities uh, to do things. Um, yeah. So I'd say that. Awesome advice. And that's timeless advice <laughs> as well. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and what I like to do to Emma is I like to just ask the guests to give us a question for a future guest. So just as a curious question, what would you want to ask a future guest on the show? Um, so this is quite uh, general, but I think as we're all going through this challenging time at the moment, um, I would ask what would be your personal or professional ambitious goal before the end of 2020? Awesome. Awesome. That's a big one. Yeah. yeah 2020 it's one. <laughs> it's disappeared, but yeah, there's still a few months left. Let's there's claim what time. we can. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate so much um, you being on the show today and also more broadly, thank you for all that you do for speakers who are looking to be found and for event speakers, event organizers rather, who are looking for speakers. Thank you for making their life easier too, to find relevant people to make their events more meaningful. So how can we then, yeah, absolutely. So how can we best connect with you? Like if we wanted to join your platform, how would we do that? Uh, So you can just head to uh, altify.com and uh, it's pretty straightforward. You could just register as a individual speaker. So you just select the orator package, which is for individual speakers. But if you represent multiple speakers, so if you're an agency or a bureau and want to represent multiple uh, speaker profiles, you can select the uh, speaker manager package. So both of those packages are actually free of charge. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, great. And they should really spend a few minutes filling out their profile because the Mm. search engine or the AI inside your website will Mm. start to really serve up those profiles. Hey, That's right. And actually, when you first uh, register, there is actually a quick, we've actually added this new functionality, which enables you to fill out the essential information first and it just gets it out there. So then you can go back some other time if you need more time to fill out the rest of your profile, but at least you will be online with the essential information. Awesome. Well, that sounds like a job for everyone to do as soon as you finish listening to this episode. So where else can we find you online on the socials? Uh, so predominantly LinkedIn. Um, I actually use that a lot for work, but I'm on it every day. Uh, so I do actually have my personal LinkedIn. So Emma Hawker, and we also have the Altify uh, business page where we put lots of tips, um, 
and information for speakers. So feel free to join us there as well. Fantastic. Well, make sure you go and connect with Emma and with Altify and just follow what they do. Look at how they talk about the relationships with speakers and events because you will learn, I guarantee, a lot just even by following them digitally and certainly even more by engaging with their platform. So thanks again, uh, Emma, for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan. It's great. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Emma as much as I did. I know that with every guest that we have on the show, I learn a ton. And, you know, one of the reasons I have these conversations is there's just insights and things along the way in conversations that you would never have access to unless you interview people who are experts at what they do. So what I'd love to do now is to give you a free checklist that includes the things you should and also should not include in your speaker showreel. And so that's a really valuable tool and you can find that for free over at nathanshooter.com. Enter your details and then we'll get that to you. And on top of that, over in the next couple of months, you'll see an online course coming. And that's a very specialized course, really focused on helping you to produce an absolutely high caliber speaker showreel to help you get booked. So make sure you go and download that checklist and get on the list so that you know when the Speaker Showreel online course is coming out. So friend, thank you for joining me today. We want to help make sure you have the creative skills so you can increase your impact, influence and income so that you can get your message into the world. Have an amazing week and we'll catch you in the next episode.